0: Starting this fall, amazing local educators will be recognized with the launch of Superior Educators. This collaboration between several local school personnel and the Portage Health Foundation is meant to celebrate the people who make our area schools a great place to learn and grow. All educators at K-12 public schools in Barraga, Potent, Keweenaw, and Ottenagan Counties are eligible, including bus drivers, teachers, support staff, and more. Nominate a Superior Educator you know at superioreducators.org. Welcome into Capra Country today. Hopefully, you didn't party too hard up for winter carnival when I woke up this morning at red negative 20 on the thermometer. So, stay warm out there. Today's program brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. You can learn more at phgive.org. I'm Grant. You said i my guest, Christy Walden. She is the president of the Calumet Art Center. So, maybe you can talk about the center, when it started, how it came to be, and what the goals of the actual Calumet Art Center are. I know it's in the big green church, but. I am not particularly artistically inclined, so that's about all I know.
1: Oh, very cool. We all are artistically inclined and don't realize it. (laughs) You're artistic in what you do. (laughs) (laughs) The Art Center, let's see, has been around about 12 years. And it was purchased and is paid in full. And it was started by Ed Gray, who has um, passed, he is gone. And it went through a little period of time where it was kind of floundering a little bit and not sure what it was going to do. And I was previously the president at the Houghton County Historic Society and I'm art inclined. And, um, so this was perfect for me. It is a volunteer position. All of our board members are volunteer. It's a not for profit. It has a beautiful mission statement, integrating creativity and appreciation for the historic and cultural values of the area.
0: And I know Calumet has quite the artistic history attached to it. Even now you go up there, there's a lot of galleries and a lot of studios. Are you looking to offer classes to people who have already kind of made the leap into the professional realm, or is it for the average everyday person? (laughs)
1: It's for the community. We offer both. We have blacksmithing, watercolor painting, pottery, stained glass window classes. We have basketry coming up. There's levels of classes. And so people can come in on an introduction. And if they like it and they want to continue, that's up to them. But a lot of times we find it turns into a social event where people can get back together again and in, in community and just enjoy making a stained glass window or enjoy learning what blacksmithing is about or enjoy pottery. It really is about bringing back uniting and, and being community and having activities for the kids.
0: Now, when you're talking about stained glass window making or blacksmithing, those seem like skills that have kind of fallen out of favor as time has gone on. as as everything becomes more modern. Is that the case or is it a situation where there are a lot of uh, people who still have those skills available right here in the copper country?
1: Oh yeah, we do have, we have quite a few. And it really, what I'm seeing is that we're kind of going back into Renaissance times where people are wanting to learn skills because they went through two years of COVID and really realized they didn't have, money, you know, hobbies or things that they really enjoyed doing.
0: Speaking of COVID, how did that change operations at the Calumet Art Center, and did you get back to normal pretty quick?
1: Oh, yeah. We never did have really a problem. We have not gone out for grants. We did receive two of the employee Grants from the government, they were very, very small, but they helped us to keep our bookkeeper working. None of us are paid. We're all, like I said, we're not for profit. We all volunteer our time. The teachers are paid for their classes because the classes do cost. We do have one program where we have kids' classes that the kids are, it's free for the kids to come and take classes. And we go out for sponsorships so that the teachers can be paid for their time and and materials. Speaking
0: of kids, how different is it when you're trying to teach somebody who's younger these skills compared to somebody who's grown up and an adult at this point?
1: I find the kids easier. They're fresh, they're open. If they're there, they're usually interested, and they want to see what they can do.
0: I know that when they talk about teaching somebody say a foreign language that they say to start younger and that it's easier for somebody to learn those skills when their brain is still developing compared to once you get to the point where you're an adult and you're stuck in your ways, so to speak. I would guess that probably carries through to various different artistic endeavors as well.
1: Absolutely. A lot of times, especially in these days, people go and watch YouTube videos and they think they really know what they're doing. But what has happened is they haven't learned the basic foundation skills and the really important little tiny things that make the work professional and make it workable. And yet, you know, on YouTube, it's quick. It's usually they skip over. I used to do um, some editing for magazines on how-tos. They were having problems. Artists were writing in their how-tos on making different items, and an artist forgets the basic steps. And so when they would write their article, they would leave out a lot of really important basic steps.
0: I remember when I was at Michigan Tech and we had to take a scientific and technical communication class, and you would have to do instruction manuals for very basic things, stuff that's essentially ingrained in your memory at this point. And when uh-huh. you go back and try and explain it to somebody who doesn't understand it, let's say they're a foreign student and this particular uh, device isn't something that's common, say in uh, you know Europe or, or Asia, it's very mm-hmm. tough to go back and hit every single step because you've gotten to the point where you just, you've got it memorized. It's, it's wrote yeah. at this point and you tend to skip over those things when you're doing it, but you can't skip over them when it's somebody who's just being introduced to something.
1: Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what we have found. So the, the fact that they can come in and the instructors are giving them those basics and then taking them on to another, you know, to, to higher levels of learning. And it's, it's up to the individual that, the teachers, we we have some wonderful teachers. We really do. And there's some amazing artists up here in the Keweenaw.
0: As far as the classes themselves, are certain ones offered maybe during the summer that perhaps you can't get this time of year? Or is everything mostly year-round?
1: It's year-round. Locals are interested in, like I said, socializing and getting out and learning and making things so that they can sell them during tourist environments.
0: And I would assume that once you've spent a winter or two in the Keweenaw and some of the novelty wears off from getting several hundred inches of snow, that there's more than one person up here who is happy to be inside and learning different skills, learning different crafts during this time of year that they can then turn around, like you said, and sell, or even if they just want to have stuff that they can display during the summertime when maybe there's more people in the area.
1: Yeah. And they, and they have it for gifts and they have, you know, and they get, encouraged more and more it's a journey really it's a it's a self-expression journey and it affects your whole life when you get into the arts and each each one of the crafts each specific has so many different techniques that are involved in it that it just sparks you into wanting to learn more and you're really um learning about yourself
0: Are there certain areas of the artistic world that are more popular than others, certain classes that you don't have to work very hard to fill, whereas perhaps there are others that you have to really publicize, the fact that they're happening to get enough people in?
1: Lately, I'm not seeing that. I am seeing all of the classes are pretty much filled. I will say that uh, one thing I've learned lately is that I'm having to limit, like we'll have one specific type of class and they're wanting to do four or five in a month, they may not fill because their audience has already taken one or two of the classes in the month, and they may not be able to afford to do four.
0: Speaking of the classes, I see that you are teaching an introduction to hand building from a slab of clay right now, and it looks like it's an eight-session class. Is that how most of the classes work, or are there certain ones that are essentially one-offs?
1: Most of them are just one-offs. But when you're hand-building, you have a lot to learn. Just even (laughs) what I've found is getting uh, away the fear of playing with mud. (laughs) 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 You know, getting dirty. (laughs) And even being able to think that you can make something look good out of, uh, you know, a a piece of clay. And hand-building is a completely different from wheel, and the wheel is uh, so much about balance. Hand-building is about making patterns and seeing an object that you really like and learning how to make that pattern.
0: Have you run into any issues with uh, supplies? I know that there's a lot of things that have had shortages across the country in the last six to 12 months. Has the art world suffered from some of those shortages?
1: Oh, sure, sure we have we We have experienced a wonderful outburst of people who are I don't even want to say elder, but who are changing their um, their activities and they donate their art supplies to mm-hmm. us. and we use them in classes. It's wonderful.
0: As far so, as uh, the fact that the art world is so varied. Something like hand sculpting from clay is going to be very different from painting on an easel. Do skills learned in, say, one discipline, do they carry over to others as well?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I myself, I do weaving, I do silversmithing, metal smithing. I work in bronze um, as well as steel, copper, silver, gold, and then. All of the skills that I've learned in pottery, I take over to that world. I paint, I do handwork, um, I love to do embroidery and crochet. All of it works together and my artwork itself is mixed media. So I may have a background of a piece of leather and on top of the piece of leather is a, is something I have woven. And then on top of that is a piece of beadwork that I have woven and then a piece of metal.
0: Now, do most of the instructors at the Calumet Art Center, do they happen to have different galleries or different exhibits that they put up for the public that they're trying to sell? Is it something that is a true profession for them?
1: I would say so, yes. You know, most of the artists have other things that they do. They're multifaceted. But yes, they almost all have Um, artworks in exhibits somewhere.
0: How about some of the students? Are there some success stories out there where people came in and they were brand new to the concept and, you know, after a while they leave and they've created something that at this point is professional worthy?
1: Yes, we do have. And that really is such a joy to the artists that started them. And it it is absolutely amazing to watch someone go on and really become well-known
0: Just from a logistical standpoint, obviously blacksmithing and, say, what you do with clay or even when you get into metals or the weaving, those are going to require very different spaces. Do you have dedicated classrooms for each discipline, or do you have to clean up after yourself, after each class, and make sure that it's ready for something that could be the diametric opposite of what was in there before, where you go from, say, metalworking to painting on canvas?
1: It's pretty much we're having to clean up and get ready for the next. However, weaving has a space upstairs that we have three large looms that are set up. We have a lot of small looms that we do twinning and small looms that we do hand, you know, just hand weaving. That's one of our goals right now is that we are are looking to expand. We have visited with an architect and have an overview of what we would like to do. We want to expand an arm off of the back of the building that extends over to the property line that would afford us two stories and individual classrooms. And those classrooms would be, each of the different arts would have their own room. And they would be supplied with all of the materials and the equipment that's needed to do that specific artwork.
0: This expansion, when it does happen, are you looking for some community support to help make it work, or do you have the financials already set for that?
1: No, we do not. We are looking for community support, and we are uh, in starting in our grant process now. We had to get our plans before we could go out for requesting money because you have to know how much you need. And as far as
0: where the grants come from, are we talking like everybody knows, say the national endowment for the arts, is it something that grand or is it more uh, private uh, organizations that are involved with this particular assistance?
1: The national uh, endowment will, you know, we'll be be requesting from them, but it's going to take individuals. It's going to take us doing a lot of fundraising, having different, programs going on and because it's a significant amount of money. We're going to put an elevator and a bathroom up on the second floor so that our facility is 100% handicap accessible.
0: And I would assume when you're talking the historic structures of Calumet that that's always difficult because those buildings were built at a time where some of the considerations that we take for granted now just weren't in place back then. The ADA only dates back to the George H.W. Bush administration. So that's late 80s, early 90s. And a lot of the buildings in Calumet, well, they're a little bit older than that.
1: And and I'm sure that we're going to, when we actually dig in and start breaking ground, we're going to find some little gotchas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You mentioned that you do various different types of art. Do you have a favorite, or is that like asking you which one of your kids is your favorite?
1: You know, my favorite has been putting it all together. I do wall hangings. You know, most people think when you're doing metal smithing that you're doing jewelry. I used to do a lot of jewelry. I don't do much jewelry anymore. I'm finding my wall hangings are, they're a meditative process. And I name each one of them. And when I am making it, I have a thought, a specific thought in process, and it's named after that thought. Like I have one piece that I call kindness, and I was feeling the need for kindness. Because we've gone through some times where there's just been, it's been chaotic and people um, are lashing out at each other. And I just felt like kindness was so needed. And so that piece is kindness. For somebody
0: who is interested in signing up for a class, uh, can they do it online? Do they have to do it over the phone? How would they uh, actually become a student at the Calumet Art Center?
1: They can come online or they can give us a phone call. Either one.
0: And do you find that uh, you get a lot of uh, students who maybe come for a class and then they branch out into various other activities once they realize, hey, this is kind of fun?
1: Yes. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They start bouncing. I call it bouncing. (laughs) Because, you know, until you find the one that just captures you and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're bouncing.
0: And maybe you can go through the process with one of your classes and explain just the difference between, say, an introduction class and maybe a more advanced one. What are some of the skills that you need to get in the first level to move on up to the more advanced stages?
1: Sure. Um, let me take it into to the metal work. I work with an, a recycled product called metal clay. And metal clay is recycled from computer boards, and from dental work, and from film, and from just about anything that that has the gold, bronze, steel, silver, copper, anything that has that element that's been mined in it, it is refined and put into a clay form that has a binder. And You have to put the pieces that you've made, once they've dried, because it's just like pottery, except that it's metal. And it's malleable, and you can form it into anything you want to form it into. And then you have to learn how to make your pattern. Your mindset has to be, you have to kind of have a thought process into what you're wanting to make, and I have people draw it to start with. Draw out your thought. Draw out your inspiration. What are you thinking? And then from there, we go into the actual size. How is it going to hang? If it's going to be a piece of jewelry, is it going to hang? If it's going to be added to uh, weaving or added to clothing, how are you going to do that? You have to really think through your processes. And when you first start, all you're doing is rolling out something and putting a texture in it and putting a hole in it so that it can have a jump ring or some kind of piece of leather or something that it can hang off of. But as you keep going, you get a whole lot more sophisticated in your connections and even in what you're doing within it. I love to do the metal work around our copper up here. I have a very large amount of copper cabochons that I got from a lapidary up here. And, oh, they're absolutely stunning. His work was absolutely wonderful and it adds on and helps me. It almost tells me what it wants to look like.
0: Recycled materials. I would guess that if you're a business, whether you're working with silver, copper, even paper, that there's only so many times you can recycle something before it no longer fits the standards for your product. Does the art world kind of pick up the slack in that regard? Do a lot of recycled materials end up making it into artists' studios?
1: Oh, absolutely! We're all out there at every garage sale, at every uh, every estate sale. We're all up and down the lake, the beaches. We call it the free store. We can't wait to get out to the free store because we're pulling in, <laughs> <laughs> we're pulling in rocks and we're pulling in the driftwood and anything and everything that we can see that's come up that we could incorporate into a piece of artwork.
0: And Christy, since it is Winter Carnival weekend, I have to get your opinion on the snow sculptures. They seem like they incorporate a lot of the different ideas that you just mentioned when you're talking about advancing through all the stages of one of your classes. And I'm sure you have an opinion on the talent that's on display and maybe how engineering meets the art world sometimes.
1: It's amazing. Amazing the extreme conditions that they're working under and, and the dedication and focus. And they're going through the process, same process. They're having to figure out what they're going to do, you know, their theme. And then from that theme, they have to figure out what sculpture they're going to actually do and then the size of it. and yeah, it's,
0: it's engineering. I'm always amazed by just the differences, say, in the scale. There's going to be certain pieces. I'll use the one over in Hancock this year. One is a set piece that's the Quincy Mine, you know, done to scale, but obviously a little bit smaller than the actual one. And then you've got individual human beings and various ice pieces that are essentially details for something that's on a much more minuscule scale. And to just be able to pull off both of those in the same piece, where the statue requires big and small is unique
1: it's, it's incredible i'm sure it's something they never ever forget
0: <laughs> talking to a couple of members of fraternities who obviously have been out of the game for a while i would have to agree that it is something that they carry with them for a long time My guest this morning, Christy Walden from the Calumet Art Center. Thank you very much for stopping by. After the break, I'm talking with Brad Barnett from the Keweenaw Convention and Visitors Bureau. You're listening to Copper Country Today.